Welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to AmazingLove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. God, to bless the, the word. Heavenly Father, you said about false prophets, they're kind of like clouds that never bring any rain. And Lord, I don't want to be like that cloud because your people have expectant hearts. As they have come to hear that word, let it rain down upon them and speak into their hearts and help them, Lord. Help them stay close to you and to give you glory with their lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Please even bless a money sermon in his name. Amen. One of my favorite uh, segments in all of sports is a segment called, Come on, man. And I don't know if anyone's seen anyone uh, watch NFL football. Come on, man. And uh, I want to get you in my world a little bit, have fun with some come on, man moments. All they do is they recount all the bloopers that have happened, especially when it comes to football. So uh, here, here's a few things that have happened recently. There was a guy who tried to do an onside kick, and uh, he went with the back foot to try to kick it. He just kicked it into his leg, didn't go anywhere. Come on, man. I'm a band geek, and so this next one kind of gives me a chuckle. Uh, it, it was a, a band performance going on, but the kicker was so unsure about what he was doing for the next half that he just practices in the middle. He's pushing the band people around. That's not good. Come on, man, right? Um, or I consider college football, you know, it's, it's customary. If your team scores, they play the school song. And you don't know when they're going to score, and, and sometimes you're not ready. This guy's playing a hot dog. Come on, man. You don't play a hot dog. Um... Then, then I love it when guys pick on other guys' haircuts. You know, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's fun. And, uh, and here's one. I don't know if he's going for the poodle look. Uh, just, uh, my goodness. And, and then there's one this past week. This one past week from uh, uh, Kelsey. Uh, usually you get a flag thrown on you, you know, when you did something wrong, and he had just a flag thrown. So what he does is he takes his uh, towel there, and he throws it at the ref. <laughs> it's not very good to do, not very respectful children, but it is a Kamal man moment. I bring this up because I wonder, like, what would uh, the Kamal Man Church Edition look like? You know what I'm saying? Do you think that we, we gather in this place called the church, do you think there are any Kamal Man moments? I think actually Amazing Love would have made the archives. And, and some of you might know our Christmas Eve last year. I just want to bring you back to that moment. Um, so I got archive footage. Um, see, we had a fireball on Christmas Eve. We did, we did. And, and I, the brilliant guy that I am, thought that oxygen would help fire. Yeah, yeah, so I breathed on it really, really hard. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's fire. Like literal fire. Right? I mean, that's just, come on, man. You know what I'm talking about. Well, besides the unintentional, because that was unintentional, I, I, and we're not planning on fireballs. There's no hibachi Christmas again. Um, sorry, guys, I know. But if we break it down, and if I do a sharp turn, isn't it true that sometimes there are some serious and there's some cringeworthy moments when it comes to the church? Isn't it true that sometimes the actions and attitudes that go around here are, are not always the most noble and always the best that we bring? In fact, sometimes uh, God gets leftovers. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Sometimes God gets leftovers. I think this was hitting another pastor because on another pastor's Facebook feed, he had this to say. Um, so this is a little bit more serious. He said if, if people treated their employment like they treat the church, man, they'd be fired. Because this is a place of grace, and sometimes grace is abused. Sometimes it's like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just the church, just the church. You know, I've been in the church for a long time. My dad was a pastor, and, and I've never, like my personal confession, I've never strayed too far from it just because I love God, and, and he's always been good. That's, that's my own personal confession. Um, but, but what I've sometimes categorized this as is junk for Jesus. There's a junk for Jesus category. That everything else will get my best, my home, my kids, everything else. But when it comes to the church, well, if there's something left, the junk, you know. And it reminds me kind of what we do with our possessions even. Like, well, I don't like it anymore, and it didn't sell in the garage sale. Maybe the church wants it. Now, I'm all good for donations and things like that, but, but what if... What if we dreamed big dreams for the church? That, that's what I'm talking about today. What if instead of what was left, we said, what if we did and operated based on what is best? And the thing is, I know we are a society of dreamers. I know there is a dreamer among you, or you've dreamed at some point. Let me convince you. I'll convince you with this question. Do you have any big dreams for your kids, for your career, or your future? Some of you right now are sitting and saying, my kids, oh my goodness, they are smarter than me, they're more gifted than me, and they're going to rock this world. My goodness, I'm just excited to see what they do. Some of you have started a job and said, you know, man, this company, they don't even know. They don't even know what I'm going to do here, who I am, where I'm going to take it. We know what it is to dream for, again, ourselves, our career, finances, kids, right? We, we, we've been there at one point or another. But I just want to ask you, especially if you're a Christian, what if we use that same modality, that same thought process, and, and, and applied it to the church? And let me ask, when was the last time you dreamed big for the church? Use that same passion, that same energy, and say, man, what we could do is something lasting. What we could do is something eternal. That, that's a big dream. You know, there's a story about a guy who dreamed big, a guy named David. David had this thought, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, David, he, he said, here I am living in a house of cedar. He, he was king, and he was sitting in this big palace, while the ark of God, which is a symbol of God's presence, like he's got a tent. Like, I'm rocking a palace with cedar. It's pretty awesome. God's got a tent. He's like camping. Not good, right? So, so then Nathan replied, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. And some of you know where this leads to. See, David's brainchild, what it gave birth to was this, Solomon's temple. And though he couldn't build it, he gathered all the resources, he gathered the blueprints, and from a dream for God and his glory, for his kingdom, we have an ancient wonder of the world. We have something that stood the test of time for, for hundreds of years was a center of worship of the one true God just because someone applied their dreaming activity to the kingdom of God. You know, I don't know what you know about me as pastor, but I'm a dreamer. I really am. I'm a dreamer for the kingdom of God and the glory of God and what we could do together. But I had to tell you, some of my dreams are birthed out of command man moments. They're birthed out of moments where I'm like, this shouldn't be. Do you know what I'm saying? 
And I don't know what your experience with, is with the church. And, and maybe you've had a chance to serve in a church. Um, I, I think you have a common experience. Whether you've served a year or 50 years in the church, I think you have this common experience where you get to a point and you say, we can't do that. We can't do that. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. You get to this point, we can't do that. And the thing is, it isn't that it wasn't a good idea. And it isn't that, um, you know, uh, it wouldn't reach people. It's just that church don't have any money. We can't do that. Schools that you can't make better just because it's a resource problem. Churches that you can't make better just because it's a resource problem. And so from that, I just, I have in me a dream. I just, I would love, this is a dream, to see the church bring its very best to the glory of God. I guess the dream is what if, what if we all brought our first and best and just saw what God did with that? If we all brought our first and best and just saw how that could shape the world, what if that happened? And, and not hamstrung sometimes by, we can't do that. You know, we live in a society where dreams come true. We do. In fact, I was watching a documentary this past week of a Chicago restauranteur. His name was Curtis Duffy, and he made the Chicago restaurant called Grace. And uh, he, he, here's the movie. It's called For Grace. Now, Curtis Duffy worked for Charlie Trotter. I don't know how many of you ever heard of that restaurant, Charlie Trotter's. Okay. Um, he worked at the Peninsula Hotel in Chicago. You ever heard of that? So we're talking about hoity-toity, aren't we? This is, this is high-level stuff. Well, he had a dream to create the highest expression of culinary art. So he gathered his dream team, and he spent a lot of time it showed him planning the website and planning the $500,000 kitchen and planning the, the, the furniture. And he bought chairs that were like $600 a piece. And, and he was investing heavily in all of this all the while he was rocking like a 95 Honda Civic. And I'm not against a 95 Honda Civic, but I'm like, you're spending a lot of money just to do this, you know, high thing. But he did it. A couple of years ago, if, if you know this, this story or if you've heard of Grace, they received three out of three Michelin stars, which is a big deal, I guess, in the restaurant world. Three out of three Michelin stars. And, and you can experience what that's like for $285 a person. <laughs> Without taxes or tip. <laughs> I was checking on that. Anyway. Um, but he did it. He did it. I'm not sure if he's still rocking the 95 Honda Civic. I'm, I'm not sure. But, but, but what I saw was this, and I was, I was reflecting. I saw something that you probably know is true already. It is a truism that, that this is true. Big dreams, they don't happen without big investments, do they? You, you don't reach that, that next level, that broader impact um, in any realm without a bigger investment. Whether that be time, whether that be energy, whether that be motivation and internally what's going on, and yes, whether that be money. And I wonder, is the same not true with the gathering called the church? And yes, it's all by the grace of God. We're here by the grace of God, and anything good that will happen, any increase will be because of his glory and his power. But we are stewards, aren't we? We are stewards, and as we are stewards of all that he has given, isn't this going to be true for us as well? If we want to make big impacts and big dreams happen, which we do, isn't it true that that will also take big investments? Well, let's consider the Word of God as it speaks to how we handle money. And what we have in this Word, it's an inspirational story. And, and we have Paul who had a dream. And Paul's dream is that there were poor people in Jerusalem. There were Jewish Christians that couldn't make ends meet because they followed Jesus Christ when everyone else didn't. 
And so Paul had this idea, what if we just use the regular Christians, the churches all across, and they would collect an offering for these who are down and out? Well, the Macedonian Christians, they got hold of this dream, and they did something special. They gave in a way that is remarkable, that we get to talk about. They are inspirational, how they answered this dream. And I remember studying this section. I remember sitting in class, where I was at seminary in class, and when I, when I heard these words, I had this thought. I had the thought that if God's people in the church, if they heard this word the same way it heard and hit me, if the Spirit did in God's church the same that he did in me, then I believe the church would have an opposite problem. Instead of always asking, we can't do that, I thought we would actually have a different problem. What are we going to do? There's too much money because people can't stop giving. They won't stop giving. What are we going to do on the opposite end? This word is inspirational. It can hit you hard. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I have uh, the word not only in our worship folder, but also on the screen so you can follow along uh, whatever your pleasure is. Let's get into it. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. It's grace that we get to give. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also the completion of this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and the love we have kindled in you, see you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I wanted to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. I know if you're new to Christianity, if you're watching online, you're just joining Amazing Love, you've got a lot of questions. And, and maybe some of you are just confirming, yeah, see, they just want the money, don't they? I've got to tell you that's not true. The church wants way more for you than they ever want from you. And that even is true with the Sermon on Money. This is the gospel of our Lord, and we get to talk about these passages, and I just hope this word would help and bless you, because I believe it can. May God bless us. Um, I think if you've ever swam in a swimming pool, you've had a similar experience. You've come to a point where you tested the water, you looked at the water, and you were scared to jump in. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've had this experience where I grew up with a, a back backyard pool. And sometimes in early spring or, or, or late spring, early summer, you'd fill it up with that hose water. I don't know if you know about hose water, but it's not very warm, my friends. And so sometimes you're just wondering, you know, uh, should I really jump in? And, and, and sometimes what can help you is other people jumping first. And I don't know if you've ever played the game where we'll jump on the count of three, right? And so you stand next to your friend, and we're all going to jump on the count of three. One, two, and then you try to push him, right? You know, and then you're like, you go first. Ha, 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 see if you go. Right, and we all know what that's like to like fake them out and, and hopefully they go because we don't always want to be first. We'll see if they live and then we'll go after that, right? So um, I think giving financially to the Lord is kind of like stepping at the edge of a swimming pool. I really do. 
And sometimes you might look in and you're hearing this word and you're like, give to God. And, and you might, water seems cold, pastor. I don't know how this works. Right? And some of the thoughts are this. It's like, I, I don't know how the future works. I, I don't know how we buy food. I don't know how the kids are going to be okay. I don't know how we pay off the car. You know, what would really be good, pastor, is how about first God gives the increase, like he jumps in, and then I can just respond after that, right? Like, like that'd be awesome, right? And, and, and so we say often financially, how about God, you go first, right? So when I get the promotion— Right? When I get that dream job, when I get out of school, then it'll be time. But until then, I'm going to stand here. But let me ask you, how many of you think this is how faith works? Does anyone think this is how this goes down? Because the reality is it doesn't take any faith to follow that paradigm. It doesn't. This is, this is living by sight, not by faith. Um, and the reality is, I think giving to the Lord actually goes completely the opposite way. When you're standing in that pool, this is what he says. He says, you go first, and trust me, I'll follow. You go first, trust me, I'll be faithful. You go first, trust me, the bottom will not fall out. Just test it. Have fun. Dive in. See what happens. And the reason I believe this is because of what was happening with the Macedonian Christians. Now, if there was a group of people who could have said, God, you got to go first, it was them. But look at what they gave out of. It says in verse 2, in the midst of their severe trial, which is bad enough, and their overflowing joy, they had extreme poverty. If there was a group who could have said, God, you know, if I had more money, then, then I could maybe consider this donation, but, but I, I can't. Like, I don't have two dimes to rub together. It's just, it's just not the time, God. But they jumped anyway, didn't they? Now, this next part is guessing. Do you want to guess with me? I just like guessing at God's word sometimes. I want to guess a little bit. But, but I consider like what happens next for the Macedonian Christians. And does anyone want to guess with me? I guess, and maybe you'll guess with me, how many of you guess that the Macedonian Christians turned out fine financially? How many of you just want to make that guess? How many of you probably guess and somewhere in your heart just think, I bet they were all right? And you know why I make that guess? Because I've had a similar experience. And, and get this, I'm not like super perfect on the scale, but I have found that when I jump in, God follows. In fact, this is a testimony not just I have, but I remember talking to other people who I thought handled money in a very godly way. And they would give me their testimony. They would say, hey, Dustin, hey, Pastor, you know what changed for us? When we were a young couple, and we decided to do God's money God's way. That, that's what set the record. In fact, I, I, would, I would challenge you. Find someone who you know gives generously to the Lord. And ask if God followed. Ask if he was faithful. Just, I just test you in this. See if that was their experience. Because this is what I have found. You cannot outgive the giver. You cannot outgive the one who gave you everything. Because everything you have right now, we believe, came from his hand. You're not going to outgive that one. It is impossible. But the real problem and why we talk about money, are you ready? It isn't because of a drive we have. It really isn't even about amazing love's dream. The real reason we talk about money, because we got trust issues. You know that? Hashtag trust issues right? 
And if you don't believe that we got trust issues, just go on Facebook this last week. All right? We got trust issues that run deep. And I want to tell you, I don't know who you voted for, but the Electoral College did not vote off the King of Kings. He is still reigning. He still has the hairs of your head counted. He still can work through whatever to bless you. I believe it with all my heart. But this isn't just a political message. This is a money message. And God, who knew we would have trust issues, he spoke through the words of Paul. And look what he said to Paul about our trust issues. In Paul's words, he said, command those who are rich in the present world. Now, one thing you need to know is you're rich. And no one, no one agrees that they're rich, but we're rich. If you make more than $40,000 $40, annually, you're in the top 4% of earners in the world. Isn't that incredible? But no one admits they're rich. But anyway, I want to convince you, you're rich. Anyway, um, don't be arrogant. You ever see anyone arrogant with money? <laughs> Have a possession and their chest gets a little bit higher, thinking it was theirs. Even if it's paid off, it's still God's. But here's the big problem. Command those who are rich not to put their hope in wealth. It's so uncertain. But rather put your hope in the one, in God, who richly provides everything for your enjoyment. That's incredible. That's incredible. So I just believe that, friends, if, if we'd have trust issues, today is a day to just say, God, I got it wrong, didn't I? Today's a day to repent if we've been arrogant about what God has given. Today's the day to humbly repent and say, God, you're right, I have too often trust in other things than you. But with the Spirit in you, what we have opportunity today to do is to pivot. We can pivot from hoping in worldly wealth to hoping in the one who holds the world. That's a great pivot. That pivot will change your life. That pivot will change your perspective. That pivot will give you peace if you allow it. And let me tell you about something, uh, about pivoting in the one who holds the world. He's filthy rich. He's disgustingly rich. In fact, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, they got nothing on this guy. And this rich one, he was willing to lose it all and go bankrupt as he came for us. This rich one, he would lose it all. He, he would live in the household of a peasant, a carpenter named Joseph. This one would grow up to be a man, and he'd never have a home. He never invested in the stock market. He, he didn't own a car or Beats headphones or Uggs. He, he didn't have any of that stuff that we think is important. None of it. In fact, the only possession we know he had was a, a garment that was all one piece. And he lost that garment, his only possession we hear of, when he gave it all on the cross. See, this one who had everything lost everything so you could gain everything. And this one did it all for one reason. Crazy love. Incredible love. Unfathomable love. Lavish love. Expensive love. Amazing love. All for me and all for you so you would know your true worth through Jesus' lens. This one who holds you today. This one who says, jump and trust me today of everything I want for you. That's a good God. Hear this gospel again. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich. Filthy rich. 
And he lost everything. He became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You are part of the greatest rags-to-riches story there is in the world. When you were spiritually bankrupt, he gave you spiritual riches. And he's given everything besides. So what is the rational response to this? The only rational response is to look at that and go, say, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, that's loco. That's, that's, that's insane what that just was. That's just crazy. Like, God, if you did that, like, what do you want? That's incredible. I think a rational response is to say, you can have it all. You, you just let me know because it's not mine. And, and you gave it all. What, what do you want? And, and I believe that's where the Macedonian Christians were. They didn't have much, but they knew that. And they're like, what, what do you want, God? It's all good. I can have my two dimes. I'll find a third one. Here it goes. And, and you need to see how this gospel hit the Macedonian Christians. And let, let me set it up a little bit. Let me set it up a little bit. Um, have you ever been begged to give money? We live in Chicago. You're downtown, and you see the people begging for your money. Or, or, or maybe you were at an exit, and someone was begging for money. For me, the one is they're standing at the four-way stop, and they're in the middle lane. And I got nothing against like that, but, like, I just— sometimes I'm going to run them over. And I didn't want to run them over, but, like, I was going to work. And it, anyway, um, and— uh, <clears throat> We know what it is to be begged for money, right? Begged to give. The Macedonian Christians, this spirit got hold of them so much that they were actually begging to give. They weren't begged to give. They begged to give. It's, just, it's insane. And this again from, from poor people. Look at what it said. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Not nuts. And, 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 and you can infer something here. You can infer that maybe Paul was telling them, you know, we have this collection, but please, we, we know you got kids. Like, we know, we get your situation. Like, now is not the time. Paul might have been telling that. But they're like, no, like that dream, that's great, that's a great dream. Can we just please be a part of it? Can we, can we just please share evidence of grace in the gospel to others? Please let us be an extension of grace. And a sermon for another day is when someone wants to give because they love you, just take it. Don't stop the grace. Don't stop the grace. Just let them give. Because they were pleading to be a part of it. And what happened is they exceeded expectations. Not sure how much they raised, but it was just astounding what they did from their poverty. Now, one of the things I love to think about is just expectations that were exceeded. And I want to ask you, Think on this. Dwell on this. Has God ever exceeded your expectations? Anything in life ever exceeded your expectations? Isn't that a great thought? I just, I just like dwell in there, right? I, I grew up, in, and my dad was a pastor, but he was like a generous dude. And I remember I graduated from seminary, and we needed, or graduated from college going to seminary, we needed laptop computers. And it was a time where laptop computers were at least $2,000, like, we've come a long ways, friends. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I got school debt. Where am I going to, you know, pay for a $2,000 computer? Dad. I didn't think I'd ever get something like that. I was just blown away, right? thought I'd be paying that off years, but Dad shows up. Exceeded expectations. I remember Kat and I get married, and uh, their gift to us was a car. Like, who gifts a car? Like, that's a crazy good gift, right? And uh, it's just something that exceeded my expectations. I didn't think I'd ever be gifted a car, even though it was a Daewoo Laganza. Day what? Daewoo. Anyway, another story. Um, and, uh, and I got this Daewoo Laganza, and it was great. It was great. 
Now, now that might not be your story, but I'll tell you what is your story. It's the gospel. When you were bankrupt, the, the King of Kings, Jesus the Savior, gave everything so you could be rich. You have an experience, even if it's just through the gospel, where expectations were exceeded. And I have a question for you. What if in response we exceeded God's expectations? Now, some of you are fact-checking me in this moment. Like, uh, Pastor, I don't know what you know about God, but he kind of knows everything. Follow, me with, follow with me, if you would. Permit me to go forward. What it reminds me of giving is giving back to dad. And as a child, I would give back to dad on Father's Day. And all the kids of the bloomers knew that if you gave gummy bears to dad on Father's Day, that's all he needed. So gummy bears was the gift for dad. And, and he would love you if you gave gummy bears. Or, or today, I, I don't send gummy bears. Now he, he'll love you if you just send a card, you know. In fact, he'll love you even if you don't send a card. Still, still there, right? Um, but one Father's Day, I exceeded the expectation. I uh, knew he was big into our ancestry, the bloomers. And we had a bloomer brewery at one time. So I went on eBay and I just clicked bloomer brewery. And this mug from the 1920s popped up. And so I ordered this mug and I sent it to my dad. And, and at hearing his response, I knew it meant something. And again, he would have loved me with gummy bears. But, but this, this thoughtful, this bigger, this, this made an impact. And I guess I just ask you, what if we gave God more than gummy bears? Is it possible? Is it possible that we could show with money how much we love him? See, Jesus put it this way. He said, where your treasure is, there your, what is that? Your heart will be as well. That's the opportunity. And, and here's the reason that I love Amazing Love is because I think God is up to something special here. I think we have a special opportunity here. I think this group has already exceeded the expectations of some by how we've been blessed in outreach. I think that. I think we've already exceeded the expectations of our synod. And we're not on the synod diet anymore. And we're not going back. We're not going to ask for more. We're just going to say thank you. Do for others what you did for us. We're exceeding our own plans this year financially. We're projecting this deficit budget, but we're cutting away at it just because the people and the special people God has brought. But, but this isn't about a balanced budget. This is about gospel impact. We have the opportunity, my friends, for the Frankfurt community to know us better and more. To look upon this church and be made. I don't know if I agree with everything, but I'm sure glad they're there and they're nice people and I liked it when I visited. We have the potential of impact for our families and our friends as we invite them and to do things with excellence when they come and to really just love on them when they come. It's, it's, it's our opportunity. We have opportunities beyond these walls based on what we publish online, based on our app, based on everything that we do together. Don't underestimate the impact we can have together. What if we gave God more than gummy bears? I think he could do something with it. Now, some of you who are wise financially ask, well, is it a good investment? There's a thought there. Is, is it a good, how do I know they're going to use it well? In the lobby, sitting for months, is our ministry plan. We are transparent with where the money is going. And what we're going to do is if there's a gospel venture to start, we're going to say, Let, let's try to do that, like Mornings with Mommy. Even in a budget deficit, we said, but, but we might reach people with Mornings with Mommy. Let's do it. And we're going to continue not just to spend money to spend money. That doesn't glorify God. But we're going to dream together. 
And we're going to ask about this ministry. Is it the best we could possibly do? Are we dreaming big for the glory of God and his kingdom? And you can be a part of it. So you have homework. And your homework is this. It is to have a budget meeting and plan a percentage. And, and some of you, first of all, a budget is good. If you don't have a budget, you need a budget. NFL players teach us all the time that if you don't have a budget, it doesn't matter how much money you make. No budget means no money, okay? First, get a budget. And then plan a percentage, okay? In the, in the Old Testament, it was a demanded 10% and then special offerings. In the New Testament, we are free. But get this, and, and this is a crazy thought, and you're like, you're crazy, Pastor. We're free to give more. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? We're free to give more. But, but here's the, where the heart would be, is that the percentage that we would pick, that we would just say, God, with my money, it's proof you have my heart. Let's pick that percentage, whatever that is. God, with my money, uh, you have my trust. God, with my money, you have my dependence on you. Now, some of you might be thinking, what impact would it make? I don't have that much, Pastor. What could it possibly do? I remember the first time I was giving financially. It was when I was a kid. I had a paper route in fifth grade, and I earned about $40 a month. And I came to the point where I'm like, I want to give 10%, but I'm like, God, really, what's $4 going to do? Like, aren't I better just buying another pack of baseball cards or big league chew? That's fun anyway. But in those moments, I started... And I've not been perfect, but I've been faithful, I believe. And I've seen God bless it. And I've seen as income increases, God using that more and more. And the reality is, it isn't about how much you make right now. And let that be a lesson for you as a kid. For you as a kid, start right now. Start right now. And the good thing about you as a kid is that your, your parents have what you need. So you can have real fun just giving to God and seeing how fun that is, how good that is. Because it's not about what you make. Look at verse 12. Look at what it says. If the willingness is there, if you want to be willing, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. Not according to what you don't have. I wasn't looked down upon for $4 when other people were giving hundreds. I didn't have thousands to give from. So just do it according to what you have. May God use it. Because we got big dreams. We got people in this community who don't know Jesus. We got people in your family who aren't connected right now, and if God returns, we don't know their history. And I believe as we invest in gospel impact, we could maybe have heavenly return. Let me pray for you. Pray together. <clears throat> heavenly Father, guard our hearts from loving money and the things it provides more than you. Help us to see what we have came from your hand and give us the grace to be generous. Then use that money to make internal impact. Use it to advance your kingdom and give you glory as we tell many more about our Savior. Amen. Please stand.